everyone, this is Dr. Gala. Welcome to your Health Connection. It's great to be with you. This podcast is designed to give you natural solutions to your health problems based upon my 35 years of experience as a functional medicine practitioner. I love helping individuals experiencing complicated conditions when nothing else has worked. Each week, I'll be giving you health tips and strategies that you can implement to improve your health and function at your best. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I'd like to begin by reading a quote from Dale Bredesen, MD. Alzheimer's disease can be prevented, and in many cases, its associated cognitive decline can be reversed in patients who have Alzheimer's disease. There are steps we can take now to prevent the cognitive decline that experts have long believed to be unavoidable and irreversible. And dramatic reductions in the prevalence of dementia could be achieved if more people underwent genetic testing and initiated a preventive program long before any symptoms appear. Dr. Bredesen is the author of the book, The End of Alzheimer's, the first program to prevent and reverse cognitive decline. I highly recommend reading this book. Dementia is a syndrome associated with progressive impairments in memory and learning ability, cognitive skills, behavior, activities of daily living, and quality of life. There are more than 47.5 million people with dementia worldwide and 7.7 million new cases each year. Statistics are grim. 10% of 65-year-olds, 25% of 75-year-olds, and 50% of 85-year-olds will develop dementia or Alzheimer's disease. Researchers predict Alzheimer's will affect 160 million people by 2050, and it's now the seventh leading cause of death. Studies have suggested that one-third of dementia cases worldwide could be prevented through lifestyle changes. According to Dr. Bredesen, Alzheimer's disease is actually a protective response to three different processes. First, inflammation. Inflammation from infection, from insulin resistance, gut dysbiosis, and poor diet. The second is suboptimal levels of nutrients or hormones. And third, exposure to toxic elements and heavy metals. Today we will be going over the underlying causes that can lead to the development of dementia and Alzheimer's. We'll be going over the tests you need to run to address or prevent cognitive decline and some amazing stories of individuals who have actually recovered from Alzheimer's disease. UCLA's Dale Bredesen, MD, who runs the Buck Institute for Research on Aging at the Alzheimer's Research Center, is now reversing Alzheimer's. The first paper he wrote in November of 2014 in the medical journal Aging outlined how nine out of the 10 Alzheimer's patients in his study completely reversed their condition in five years. Patients went back to work. They moved out of institutions and back home with their families. They became fully functional again, almost miraculously. Dr. Bredesen looked at the mechanisms that caused the disease and fixed them. He followed the principles of functional medicine and put the fire out in the brain. He figured out 37 things that can cause inflammation, and he put the fire out. Inflammation is your body's response to attack, 
whether it's from an infectious agent or from a non-infectious stress, such as eating too much sugar or consuming too many trans fats. We'll be going over what you can do to prevent or even reverse cognitive decline in Alzheimer's. Dr. Bredesen identified three different types of Alzheimer's. Type 1 is inflammatory. It occurs more often in people who carry one or more or two APOE4 gene mutations, and we usually see high levels of C-reactive protein in these patients, a marker that there's inflammation in your blood. We often see a high fasting insulin level on a blood test, indicating blood sugar imbalance. In type 2, we see suboptimal levels of hormones, including thyroid hormone, adrenal, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And we also see low levels of vitamin D. Type 3 is toxic. We often see high levels of toxic chemicals such as mercury, cadmium, arsenic, lead, or aluminum a high level of copper, and a low level of zinc. Also, we see mold toxins. Today, we'll look at the role of inflammation, insulin resistance, infection, gut health, allergens, hormone imbalances, environmental toxins, stress, lack of exercise, lack of sleep, and deficiencies of vitamins and omega-3 fatty acids. We'll look at how to address the underlying root causes found through your lab testing. Let's begin by looking at what causes inflammation and the role that inflammation plays in memory loss. If you looked at an autopsy of a brain of an Alzheimer's patient, you'd see a brain on fire. You can see the word flame in the word inflammation. Chronic inflammation can be triggered without infection if you regularly ingest inflammatory triggering foods such as simple, carbohydrates, sugar, bad fats, and processed foods. So let's take a look at insulin resistance. A hundred million Americans suffer from insulin resistance, or prediabetes, and it causes pre-dementia known as mild cognitive impairment. Some scientists are now calling Alzheimer's disease type 3 diabetes. When inflammation is caused by consuming too much sugar, it's typically accompanied by insulin resistance. Let's take a look at how insulin resistance works in your body. After you eat, your body digests carbohydrates and glucose, also called blood sugar, increases in your bloodstream. To keep blood sugar levels normal, your pancreas produces and releases a hormone called insulin. Insulin escorts sugar out of your blood and into your muscle, fat, and liver cells. Every cell in your body has insulin receptors, and insulin's job is to deliver sugar into cells to use for energy production. If your insulin levels are constantly elevated, you'll develop insulin resistance. When there's too much sugar in your bloodstream, insulin would be knocking on your cell's door too frequently, and your cells will get frustrated and lock the doors completely. When this happens, your cells resist insulin's request for entry. Your cells become insulin resistant and do not receive the sugar they need to produce energy. As this process progresses, your cells need more insulin to clear the sugar from your blood. And at some point, your pancreas may not be able to keep up with the demand for insulin. Your cells won't get the energy they need to operate. And eventually, your blood sugar levels may rise above normal levels, leading first to prediabetes and then to type 2 diabetes. 
Eating the standard American diet, also called the SAD diet, will ensure that your insulin levels will be constantly elevated. If you're eating bread, cereal, bagels, pasta, sugary snacks, processed foods, drinking soda, or other sugary drinks, your insulin levels will be constantly elevated throughout the day and eventually lead to insulin resistance. When you're constantly flooding your body with sugar, your cells will respond by increasing the production of insulin. We've seen an extraordinary increase in sugar consumption from 10 pounds per person per year at the beginning of the 19th century to 158 pounds per person per year at the beginning of the 21st century. When faced with chronically high levels of insulin, your body turns down the response and you become resistant to the effects of insulin. Insulin is related to Alzheimer's by several mechanisms. After, after insulin molecules do their job and lower your blood sugar, your body must break down the insulin in order to prevent dropping your blood sugar too low. It does this via an enzyme called insulin-degrading enzyme. And this enzyme also degrades amyloid, the protein fragment in the sticky nerve transmission destroying plaques in Alzheimer's disease. The enzyme can't do both at once, so if it's breaking down your insulin, it's not breaking down your amyloid. By diverting this enzyme from destroying amyloid, if you have chronically high levels of insulin, you increase your risk for Alzheimer's disease. It's imperative that you reduce your insulin resistance, restore insulin sensitivity, and reduce your sugar levels. We know that obesity is a key cause of insulin resistance, and carrying extra weight around your abdomen worsens insulin resistance. Being sedentary and lack of sleep also causes insulin resistance. Unfortunately, insulin resistance frequently has no symptoms, and you can have this condition for several years without knowing it. The best check to see if you have insulin resistance is a fasting insulin level. For a detailed discussion about insulin resistance, please listen to my podcast number 18 on insulin resistance. The second step in addressing inflammation is to assess gut function. Because inflammation frequently begins in the gut and your gut is in charge of your brain, it's called the gut-brain connection. Your brain has a direct effect on your stomach and intestine, and this connection goes both ways, gut-brain, brain-gut. Michael Mays, MD, PhD, is a psychiatrist who recognized 20 years ago that inflammation is a critical component in patients who have cognitive problems. He was one of the first to connect that inflammation in the brain can be caused by intestinal permeability in the gut, also known as leaky gut. Dr. Mays demonstrated that when you have a disrupted intestinal barrier, the undesirable bacteria from your gut's microbiome sends chemical messages to the nervous system in your intestine. This nervous system, the one in your intestine, called the enteric nervous system, is connected to your spinal cord and sends those same messages up to your brain. This pathway, now referred to as the gut, as the brain-gut microbiota axis. Now you've triggered the whole inflammatory cascade first by activating the ancient immune system that produces cytokines, which are inflammatory chemicals, and then when that response is no longer enough, your immune system generates antibodies to the bad bacteria. 
Your gut contains 500 million neurons, which are connected to your brain through nerves in your nervous system. The vagus nerve is one of the biggest nerves connecting your gut and brain and sends signals in both directions. The trillions of microbes that live in your gut make up what is called your microbiome. An imbalance of the microbiome, referred to as dysbiosis, and is a primary source of inflammation in your gut and throughout your body. Your body also creates an inflammatory response when damage to your intestine results from chronic stress, from taking antibiotics or painkillers, or from eating gluten and dairy. When your intestines are chronically inflamed from intestinal dysbiosis, a condition in which there's an imbalance of the good and bad microorganisms within your intestine, the tight junctions that hold your gut lining together become loose and allow undigested food particles, bacteria, viruses, toxins, and other unwanted particles to escape from your gut and enter your bloodstream. Your immune system will detect these particles as foreign invaders, attack them, and produce inflammatory chemicals such as histamines and cytokines, and this can lead to chronic inflammation. If your immune system is switched on for too long, it can lead to the inflammation that can cause Alzheimer's. Lipopolysaccharide, or LPS, is an inflammatory toxin made by certain bacteria that can cause inflammation if too much of it passes from your gut into your blood. Pathogens, including bacteria and viruses, have been found in the brains of patients who died with Alzheimer's. Part of the way your body responds to invading pathogens is by producing amyloid, the substance that forms the brain plaques that characterize Alzheimer's disease. More and more scientific evidence is pointing to the conclusion that after a brain is invaded by pathogens, it produces amyloid, a potent pathogen fighter, but one that eventually goes overboard, killing synapses and brain cells that the amyloid was called upon to protect. To prevent and reverse cognitive decline, you must first identify and address any potential infections, optimize your immune system's ability to destroy pathogens, and reduce the chronic inflammation that's resulted from fighting these organisms for years. Having a leaky gut can also lead to impaired nutrient absorption. This includes nutrients such as vitamin D, B vitamins, essential fatty acids, magnesium, and iron, nutrients that we see deficient quite often in Alzheimer's patients. It also creates an environment for something known as molecular mimicry, where antibodies attack your brain in areas that are molecularly similar to the offending foods. For a detailed discussion about intestinal dysbiosis and leaky gut, please listen to podcast number three on gut health. The next step is to evaluate thyroid and hormone imbalances. Studies have shown that older people with suboptimal thyroid function have an increased risk of developing Alzheimer's. Optimal thyroid function is crucial for optimal cognition. Your thyroid hormone is critical for making new brain cells, particularly in the hippocampus, the part of the brain that's responsible for memory. Many hormones contribute to optimal cognitive functions, and when their levels drop, a decline in cognition can result. The role of sex hormones in cognitive function is controversial, but there is strong evidence for such a role. Following menopause, women experience a rapid loss of estrogen and progesterone, and men experience an age-related loss of testosterone. 
a condition known as androgen deficiency. Studies from the Mayo Clinic have shown that women who have their ovaries removed at age 40 without hormone replacement therapy have an increased risk of developing Alzheimer's. Chronic stress can lead to adrenal fatigue, and when your adrenal glands do not produce enough stress hormones to deal with the stresses, such as infections, toxins, or lack of sleep, you can become very sensitive to these stressors. This can lead to a worsening of cognitive decline and a loss of neurons in the brain. Let's look at why it's important to evaluate for heavy metals. Too much copper and too little zinc are associated with dementia. Having low levels of zinc can cause you to be more sensitive to toxins such as mercury and molds. Arsenic, lead, aluminum, and cadmium can also impair cognitive function. So now let's look at the tests you should run and why. It's very important to run a fasting insulin level because many scientists now call Alzheimer's disease type 3 diabetes. New research shows insulin resistance from eating too many carbs and sugar and not enough healthful fats is one of the major factors that starts the brain damage that leads to dementia and Alzheimer's. Having high levels of insulin means that the cells in your body have become resistant to insulin's effort to get sugar inside your cells. Your pancreas will overcompensate by flooding your body with high levels of insulin to force your cells to open up and take in the sugar. Your fasting insulin level on a blood test should be less than 5, and a level higher than 8 definitely indicates some degree of insulin resistance. I also recommend looking at your fasting glucose level, and that should be less than 85. I always recommend running a DNA stool test to evaluate your gut health. The trillions of microbes in your gut, called your microbiome, need to be in balance. An imbalance, referred to as dysbiosis, is a primary source of inflammation in your gut and throughout your body. When it comes to your brain, if you have dysbiosis and a leaky gut, you can develop inflammation, and that can inflame your brain. I also recommend checking for APOE4, that's A-P-O-E-4, short for apolipoprotein E. It's a carrier for brain fats and the most important genetic risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. APOE4 shuts down the gene that makes a molecule that has an anti-Alzheimer's effect. APOE4 is associated with a heightened inflammatory response because it suppresses several different genes that limit inflammation and it increases the factor that promotes inflammation. Carrying an APOE4 from one parent increases your risk of developing Alzheimer's to 30%, while carrying two copies, meaning you've inherited it from both parents, increases your risk to 50 to 90%. If you know you have one or two APOE4 genes, you need to make sure you check your blood for high levels of inflammatory markers. C-reactive protein, or CRP, is a protein made by your liver and sent into your bloodstream in response to inflammation. High levels of CRP indicate inflammation in your body. Your level should be below 0.9. If it's higher, you need to determine the source of the inflammation. Low levels of vitamin D are associated with cognitive decline, so it's important to check your vitamin D level. It should be between 50 to 60. 
Optimal thyroid function is crucial for optimal cognition, and suboptimal thyroid function is also common in Alzheimer's disease. I recommend running a thyroid panel. Be sure to check your levels of TSH, your thyroid-stimulating hormone, free T4, your T3 uptake, and TPO. I recommend doing a Dutch hormone dried urine test to evaluate your levels of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, to evaluate the pathways in your liver for detoxifying these hormones, to evaluate your cycling cortisol levels, your stress hormone, and your epinephrine, which is also called adrenaline, another stress hormone. The role of sex hormones remains controversial, but there is strong evidence for such a role. Estrogen may be a crucial player in the prevention of dementia. As mentioned earlier, studies from the Mayo Clinic have shown that women who have their ovaries removed by age 40 and do not take hormone replacement therapy have double the risk of Alzheimer's disease. Not only are estrogens and progesterone important, so is the estradiol-progesterone ratio, since a high ratio is associated with poor memory. High levels of cortisol damage neurons, especially in the hippocampus, making chronic stress an important contributor to damage to the hippocampus and memory decline. A rapid reduction in cortisol can lead to the loss of neurons in the hippocampus. Homocysteine is a marker of inflammation and is increased when nutritional support is suboptimal. Keeping your homocysteine optimally low requires sufficient levels of vitamin B6, folate, and B12, all in their active forms. It's important to not take inexpensive vitamins because if folic acid, B12, and B6 are not in their active form, they may not help you. High levels of homocysteine can cause damage to the brain and your levels should be less than six. It's important to do a heavy metal urine test to check your levels for copper, aluminum, mercury, cadmium, lead, and other heavy metals. Mercury can induce the signature pathology of Alzheimer's disease. Arsenic, lead, and cadmium can also impair cognitive function. I highly recommend doing a Nutra-Eval, that's N-U-R-T-R-E-V-A-L. I highly recommend doing this test to evaluate over 125 biomarkers and assess your need for antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, amino acids, digestive support, and other nutrients that are critical for good brain function. Omega-3 fatty acids found in healthy amounts in fish, such as salmon, appear to help reduce levels of the protein beta amyloid, a marker for dementia and Alzheimer's. In a study published in the journal Neurology, researchers found that the people who ate the highest levels of omega-3 fatty acids had the lowest levels of blood beta amyloid buildup. It's also important to check your blood levels of tau-217, that's P-T-A-U-217. Scientists have been examining whether another form of the tau protein called tau-217 can also serve as an early marker of Alzheimer's development. Both are found in the tau tangles that accumulate in the brain and can spill into the bloodstream. In the first study, researchers led by Dr. Oscar Hansen from Lund University in Sweden tested blood samples from three studies comprising about 1,400 people. 
These included people who, with known Alzheimer's and other dementias, as well as those without cognitive problems. The researchers used antibodies produced by the immune system to detect tau proteins in the samples. Results published in the July 2020 issue of JAMA found that tau-217 measurements were almost 90% accurate at distinguishing people who had later had Alzheimer's damage found in their brains after death. Blood measurements of tau-217 were also about 90% accurate at distinguishing people who later developed symptoms of dementia. In both study groups, tau-217 was as good as PET imaging and uh, CSF or cerebral spinal fluid testing at pinpointing Alzheimer's development. Finally, the team tested tau-217 in samples from people who carry the genetic mutation that causes early onset Alzheimer's. Levels of tau-217 correlated with those who later developed the disease up to 20 years before symptoms were seen. Let's go over a couple of case histories. This one is a case history of a patient who came to Dr. Mark Hyman, MD, a well-known functional medicine doctor. Dr. Hyman tells the story of George, who came to him because he could no longer manage his business affairs and who had become increasingly, increasingly less able to function at home and had to withdraw from family and social relationships. George was desperate because he felt himself slipping away. For this man whose mind and life were evaporating, Dr. Hyman looked deeply into his genes and his biochemistry and found places where he could improve things. George had the ApoE4 gene, the high-risk gene for Alzheimer's. ApoE4 also made it hard for him to lower his high level of cholesterol and detoxify the mercury from his brain. He also had a version of a gene for detoxification of metals and other toxins, glutathione S-transferase, or GST, and this was very inefficient in him, making him accumulate more toxins over his lifetime. Having the combination of a problem with GST and ApoE4 put him at even more risk for dementia. Studies have shown that people with an absent GST gene were likely to have much higher levels of mercury. George had another gene uh, called MTHFR that made him require very high doses of active folate in order to lower his blood levels of homocysteine, which is an inflammatory substance that's very toxic to the brain. He also had a gene called CETP that caused his cholesterol to be high, which contributed to his dementia. Dr. Hyman found that George had high levels of mercury and helped him detoxify with foods such as kale, watercress, and cilantro, herbs such as milk thistle, nutrients such as selenium and zinc, and medications that help him overcome his genetic difficulties by getting rid of toxins. He lowered his cholesterol with diet and herbs and lowered his homocysteine with high doses of active folate and vitamins B6 and B12 in their active forms. After a year of aggressive therapy that was matched to his genes, not only his diagnosis, he had a remarkable and dramatic recovery. Before he began the program, he could not manage his business, nor did his grandkids want to be around him. After matching his treatment to his genes, he was able to function, and his grandchildren loved being with him again. 
We once thought we could not reverse artery-clogging plaque that triggered heart disease. We now know otherwise. Similarly, dementia can be reversed if caught early enough and by attending to all the factors that affect brain function, including diet, exercise, stress, nutritional deficiencies, toxins, hormonal imbalances, and inflammation. The basic principles of functional medicine, or treating the root cause of disease, help optimize your biological functions. Dr. Dale Bredesen goes over several cases in his book, The End of Alzheimer's, in which his patients had complete reversal of Alzheimer's symptoms. I highly recommend reading his book. I'd like to go over another case history of one of Dr. Hyman's patients. A woman named Christine was 80 and was experiencing severe memory loss and cognitive decline. Her family was obviously concerned, so she was tested and found to have dementia. Her neurologist offered her words of comfort, but told her and her family there's no treatment truly effective to stop or reverse the progression of dementia. Dr. Hyman discovered many subtle changes in her health that on their own wouldn't explain dementia, but when added all together put a strain on her brain function. He corrected her underlying causes, low thyroid function, mercury toxicity, inflammation, and deficiencies in vitamin B6, vitamin D, folate, coenzyme Q10, and omega fatty acids. He also put her on a low-sugar anti-inflammatory diet. He encouraged her to exercise because exercise can help improve cognitive function and prevent dementia. Six months later, she had the extensive memory tests repeated. Her psychologist was surprised to report that her scores got better, not worse. Her scores got better. Just like when we once thought that heart disease and artery-clogging plaques couldn't be reversed and now have proof that this does happen, Dr. Hyman believes dementia can be reversed by attending to all the factors that affect brain function, diet, exercise, stress, nutritional deficiencies, toxins, hormonal imbalances, inflammation, and more. It's really quite simple. You get rid of the bad stuff, you put the good stuff back in, and your body heals. If you or someone you know has memory loss, look at all the keys to wellness. You must aggressively find out what imbalances are present and fix them. There will be no one treatment that works for everyone because everyone is different. The first step is to run the tests I mentioned earlier to find the underlying causes of your cognitive decline and work with a functional medicine practitioner who looks at suboptimal levels and not just the common lab values. An example would be a serum homocysteine. This is a marker of inflammation in your blood. According to most labs, a level of 12 is considered to be within normal limits, but studies have clearly shown that it's suboptimal if your homocysteine is above six. The same with glucose. A standard lab will see, say if it's below 99, you're okay. It should be less than 85. The second step is to follow a very low carbohydrate anti-inflammatory diet. When you follow a low carbohydrate diet, your body produces ketone bodies by breaking down fat. Mild ketosis is optimal for cognitive function. You balance your blood sugar with a whole foods low sugar diet. You remove the bad stuff, eliminating refined carbs, sugar, alcohol, bread, 
white potatoes, white rice, soft drinks, candy, cakes, dairy, processed foods, and inflammatory omega-6 rich oils such as vegetable and seed oils found in processed foods. You must eat the good foods. Eat lots of non-starchy vegetables, avocados, nuts, seeds, grass-fed meats, pastured chicken and eggs, wild-caught fatty fish, and extra virgin olive and coconut oils. And fasting for at least 12 hours between your evening meal and your breakfast helps to improve your insulin sensitivity and enhance your cognition. It's important to avoid gluten, dairy, and other foods to which you are sensitive because eating these foods can lead to leaky gut and inflammation. Step three, it's important to correct thyroid and sex hormone imbalances with natural hormones and support adrenal function with adaptogenic herbs. You must correct deficiencies in vitamin D, B vitamins, omega-3 fatty acid deficiencies, or any other deficiencies found through your lab testing. It's important to exercise daily. Even a 30-minute walk can help. Interval training or weightlifting can also help. Studies show physical activity can prevent and even slow down the progression of dementia. After killing any pathogens found in your gut, sealing your gut lining to repair the leaky gut, and restoring your probiotic balance, step four is to do a medically supervised metabolic detoxification program to remove toxins, mercury, or other heavy metals from your body and to alkalize your body. Step five is to control your stress levels because chronic stress takes a toll on your body and your brain. Find your favorite way of dealing with stress. Deep breathing, meditation, yoga, going for walks in nature, watching funny movies. Find whatever you love to do that helps you to calm down and feel good. And step six, get eight hours of sleep every night. Studies show that poor sleep becomes a risk factor for cognitive decline in Alzheimer's. I highly recommend reading the book, The End of Alzheimer's by Dale Bredesen, MD, because Dr. Bredesen provides a wealth of information for preventing and reversing cognitive decline. Please like or subscribe to this podcast. And if you'd like a one-on-one consultation, please visit me at drgala.com. That's D-R-G-A-I-L-A.com. I thank you so much for listening.